All right, this one is called, This is Gonna Be Hard, or is it? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Free Your Voice, Free Your Life podcast. My name is Davin Youngs. I'm your host. As always, I'm so, so, so glad you're here. I love this space. I love connecting with you in this way. I love having these types of conversations, the kind that we are going to engage in today. But if you're new here, Welcome. This is a place in a space dedicated to the voice as a tool for healing and transformation in our lives. The voice as a tool for personal growth, development, creative exploration, uh, personal expression, finding our authenticity, finding our truth. And uh, yeah, I think this is a really unique sort of conversation to have, but I think that it can be really influential in how it is that we move throughout our lives, especially if at any point in time you felt like your voice was an important tool for expression. Maybe specifically if you identified as a singer. Now, in the spirit of transformation and growth, this podcast continues to take on different shapes and forms. And so today, again, I'm going to have a conversation that maybe doesn't center the voice journey particularly, but I'm always speaking to you through that lens because, you know, I'm a singer. I am a voice coach. I'm a sound healing artist. I'm really, really always looking at the world through my own creative lens. And that is all about making music with my voice. And I mean music in the broadest sense of the word. I'm returning to you after just coming off um, a little trip and performance. I had the gift, the opportunity to go back to um, the Oberlin Conservatory of Music, from where I am an alum, to bring my immersive sound healing experience called The Reset. If you go to davinyoungs.com or theresetsoundexperience.com, you can learn more about that. But I was invited to bring this experience to a space and a place at Oberlin that's called Finney Chapel. It's a performance venue. It's a converted sort of church place into church space into a performance venue. And boy, is it magical. Like I had remembered it in my mind. I mean, it's been many years. I had sort of a humorous experience where I went to check out the art museum. The, it, there's this place called the Allen Art Museum. And if you aren't familiar, Oberlin is just right outside of Cleveland. Um, it's a very, very small little town, a little college town oasis. But I went to check out the Allen Art Museum to see the exhibit that they had going there. And I walked in and the student who was manning the desk said to me, is this your first time at the museum? <laughs> I thought to myself, no, but it's been 20 years. <laughs> so I might as well pretend as though it's my first time. But the reason I tell you that is the whole trip was a trip of walking down memory lane and stepping in stepping into these spaces and places that were so influential in my life. And truthfully, a lot of the human bodies that occupied those spaces at the time, they're just no longer there. And so it was very much about experiencing the town and the space and the place. And when I walked into Finney Chapel, I mean, it was so familiar, so incredibly familiar. And I've said on the pod before that I you know, have such distinct memories of hearing certain artists perform there. And so when I got to occupy that stage, it was really a full circle moment for me as a creative person, as someone who has aspired for all of my life to be creatively expressive in a performative way. So I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity that I was given. And it was really meaningful. 
on so many different fronts. And it felt sort of like a like way to close a chapter on a part of my life, moving on to the next phase as I enter the 20 years after college phase, middle age. <laughs> Which I got to tell you is kind of awesome. Like there are elements of me that, you know, if I'm really honest with you, are are still fearful of getting older and aging, but there's this self-assuredness and what I need that is so delicious. And it's great to be able to go back to college, thank God, and be able to feel so clearly that I've outgrown the ways in which life was more difficult for me then. I really struggled. So I'm really grateful for that. But the experience itself, the reset, we did it on the stage of Finney Chapel. We had a packed house. I got excellent feedback. And I'm just so grateful to have the experience. And um, yeah, if you check out on Instagram at Davin Youngs, um, a, at D-A-V-I-N-Y-O-U-N-G-S, you'll see a video of what that looked like because it was pretty, pretty epic, pretty cool. But that trip actually inspired the theme for today's podcast. And also, if you do follow me on Instagram, I posted a very short reel about this theme but it was so hmm, inspiring to me that I thought it was worthy of digging in with you here further for a little longer than the minute that a reel confines me to. <laughs> sometimes all we need is a minute, but sometimes it's good to have a, a deep dive. Okay, so here's the scenario. As a part of this residency that I did at Oberlin, I was able to have a couple of I don't know. I don't know what the appropriate term is. You know, workshop didn't quill didn't feel quite right, and neither does a talk. But I spent some time with students. Let's say it like that. And one of the workshops was very much a voice workshop to convey some of the principles and ideas and a bit of my process around what it means to work with the voice as a tool for embodiment for change. But the other workshop or talk or whatever you wanted to call it, gathering was a professional development workshop. And I thought I offered this because if you were to, you know, ask me what was the thing that I felt like I didn't walk away from school with enough information about, it's how to pursue a creative career. That there aren't enough conversations around the absolute logistics around what that looks like. And the process of growing into that. And I think some of that's by design. I think we all have to find our own path. And it's dangerous in some ways to try to lay down a specific path for any creative. But it's also just lovely and useful as a young person to hear people's stories who have been out in the world sort of doing the thing that you imagine yourself doing. So this workshop was specifically focused on pursuing a path in the creative healing arts. And uh, I spent the beginning of our time together telling the students who were so generous with their presence about my path and about my journey and about some of the things that I didn't know and the things I had to discover. And then how, you know, now as a professional, I make my income doing multiple things. And I told them about the different facets of my work from coaching voice to bringing people together in improvisational singing in the community sense and also in a professional sense and that I do that to bring corporate groups into deeper connection with themselves and each other through improvisational singing, and then the immersive sound healing experiences that I create, which is my most sort of performance forward 
piece of my work. And I shared about the different aspects and the, the many paths that sort of led me to do that. And then after I was done sharing my story, I opened up the floor to some students and they asked really thoughtful questions. But one student in particular asked me this question that really stuck with me because I think a younger me would have answered it in a much more straightforward way. But at this stage in my journey, I was able to tap into an energetic um, idea that was being presented through the words of this question. Essentially, this student, he asked me if I had any advice for what to do, given how hard it was going to be. Like if he were to pursue creative uh, professional opportunities, that his belief was that it was going to be hella hard. And what was he going to do? What should he do? What have I done? What would be my advice to someone like him? And as I was listening to him, my very first thought was, who said it was going to be hard? <laughs> this student in particular, I think he was a junior, maybe a sophomore, second or third year in college. And I just thought to myself, man, if ever there was a time in your life where you had the capacity and the opportunity to look at the world with bright eyes and optimism and um, just a dreamer's perspective. It's certainly in college. It's You're sort of buying the time in many ways to do that, especially if you're pursuing maybe a liberal arts degree or something that's not so focused on a specific outcome, but really is a path of just learning and exploration and discovering and so when I hear someone say, what are you going to do? What should I do? Because it's going to be so hard. I just thought to myself, yeah, who told you it was going to be hard? And why are we doing this to ourselves? Why do we do this to ourselves? And so this is what I wanted to share with you here today. Because that's literally what I asked him in the moment. Why do you think it's going to be hard? And a lot of that has to do with the narrative that he's been given. And actually, even in reflection in my own story, I'm not sure, I'm not certain the ways in which I reflected how difficult my path or my process had been. But this is the lead that so many of us move through the world with. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And I want to say right away that that is true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. But as I look back on my own experience through hardship, through growth, through personal development, through bumping up the edges, bumping up against the edges of my being, it's not really a good way to capture the story. In fact, I think fundamentally, I had been handed that same narrative. And so a lot of what I have manifested in my life is the result of being told that it was difficult to pursue that which I loved. I'll never forget my senior year of high school, I had decided to audition for conservatories of music. And you know, no one else around me, literally no one else around me was doing anything like that. Uh, I grew up in a very small town. And while there were many other gifted and talented musicians, some of the most gifted and talented musicians I've ever known were at that school. No one was sort of pursuing such a singular path. And I was just very clear that music was my destiny. 
I didn't want to do all of the general education classes. I wanted to make music. And I was so fortunate to um, have exhibited some talent and have been given a lot of affirmation and willingness around that. And so my folks were willing to let me do that. And I did. I auditioned. Um, and I remember standing outside of my senior psychology class and the teacher asking me in the hallway, you know, what my plans were for school. And I told him, and I remember his response to me was, well, be careful about throwing all your eggs in one basket. At 17 years old, <laughs> I think even upon, at the moment of this conversation, I think I had even been accepted into every school that I had auditioned for. But this man, well-intentioned, said to me, be careful about throwing all of your eggs in one basket. Now, I'm 42 years old, and those words still ring throughout my head. Now, I bring them up to you today because I think they're absolute and utter bullshit, and I think it was a complete projection of his own insecurity. <laughs> I also acknowledge that he probably said that to me with great care and with concern for my well-being. I don't think that it was, um, you know, that the intentions were bad of the phrase or the statement. But look at me, you know, look at, look at the fact that I'm still holding on to these words all of these years later and the impact that we have upon the way in which we communicate to others what we believe is possible for them. And that is solely representative of what we believe or have believed is possible for ourselves. So why are we so afraid to give people a narrative that allows them, especially young people, but I don't care where you are in your life, why are we so afraid to let ourselves imagine a life where we are pursuing that which lights us up, that which gives us energy, that which makes us feel full, that which makes us feel alive? And why can't we imagine a future that involves doing that that is financially abundant. A future that involves doing that that doesn't mean burnout. A future that involves doing that where we're working with people that we love and we're growing creatively. Why? Why are we so committed to an old-fashioned, limited scope narrative that says, yeah, creative professions are hard? Now, let me say in this that I'm not negating some of the traditional systems and structures that have been set up that make that in many ways true. An example of this that will be applicable to some of you that are listening is I work often with musicians that gig. And when I mean gig, you probably have heard the phrase gig economy. Um, musicians are very familiar with the gig economy because they do job after job after job where they get paid often minimally and they try to piece their income together through these different jobs. And it can be a lot of fun at first and it can turn into a real, um, just a lot of uh, energy out and not a lot of en energy in. It can be a real drag, especially when you're not getting paid a lot and you're working odd hours and you're sort of just running around trying to make it work. What I've observed over time, though, is that because musicians often start out their work in that place or that space, 
and they think it's what they have to do. And who am I to say what they have to do? They might have to do it. I've certainly done it back in the day. I used to sing weddings and funerals, and I jokingly, you know, used to say that I would teach voice lessons to anyone who had a warm body. <laughs> if you would come in the studio, I would help you sing. I don't do that anymore. And that's not because it's not because I don't love working with all human beings, but it's because I have a vision for myself where I stay balanced in my life and I stay healthy and I stay well and I stay excited and I stay lit up. Anyway, I digress. That's going to save that, put a pin in that for the future. But what I've observed over time is that people get caught in this gigging loop. They get stuck in this sort of cycle in this process. And because they're so used to cobbling their income together through small paying jobs that they have to do many, many of, and they often feel like they have to beg and plead even to get them, that they lose any capacity to have a vision for something that looks more balanced, that looks different than what it is that they have been doing. They, can, they don't have the time frankly, to stop and notice and question and go, is this my best life? Is this how I'm living? Now, if they do do that, it's often at a moment of burnout where they go, I just can't do this shit anymore. It's too much. It's too much. I got to quit. And then they assume that the only other option for them is to go do something completely different. So often they'll go take an office job, They'll find themselves doing something that feels more, in culturally speaking, secure. Something that feels like it's more, uh, uh, will set them up for long-term success financially, et cetera, et cetera. But if I could get a hold of that person just in that moment, I would offer them the opportunity to dream with me just for a minute. Could you imagine a life where you are doing the thing that you're gifted at? the thing that you're creative doing, the thing that really excites you up, the thing that when you were a kid, you were like, what if I could make a living doing this? <laughs> could you imagine a life where you're doing that and it feels balanced? You feel healthy in your body. You feel like you have good relationships. You feel like you're being compensated appropriately for your work. You're traveling the amount of time that you want to be traveling. You're living open-heartedly, you feel excited to be doing what you are doing. Could you imagine that? Because so many people won't even let themselves try. They assume that it's going to be hard. They assume that it has to be hard. They were told at some point along the way, don't put your eggs all in one basket. It's going to be too hard. You might fail. You might flop. It's better to be safe. And so they operate from this place of scarcity. They operate from this place of limited possibility. They operate based on the models that have just been lived before them and not on any that they might dream up themselves. This to me is a tragedy. This to me is a loss for all of humankind. That sounds dramatic, but I mean it because it's where we lose access to innovation. It's where we lose access to activism. It's where we lose access to real fundamental change. And I believe that this is a practice that we can all cultivate. So when I say to that student, who told you that? 
What I'm asking him to do is question where the narrative is coming from and ask himself, is it really true? And then I say to him, and this is what I want you to hear from me, I've had a lot of struggle along the way. There have been some hard times. There have been hard times financially trying to make this thing work. There have been hard times creatively. There have been hard times personally, professionally. You know, it took me a long time to find my way where I am. But it's all joy. I mean that. Like the overarching narrative, especially, especially when I was centering my own creative expression is joy. Whenever I've been doing something that was the result of my idea, my, the thing that filled me up and, and bubbled over because I gave it thought, I gave it energy, I gave it momentum, even the shitty tasks and the failures amidst that, they felt worthwhile. And sure, I had moments of great questioning. But when I look back, it was so good and juicy and like a part of the process. And so I want to, in my own life, work relentlessly to pursue that. Pursue the moments that feel so true, so honest, so me. I did um, a little interview with the Overland Review which was, again, just sort of like a, a sweet experience. And so one of the conservatory students interviewed me and asked me questions about my path and my journey. And at one point he stopped and he said to me, particularly about the immersive sound healing experiences that I create, he said, it's such an original idea. And of course that flatters my ego. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But I also know that he's right. But let me tell you very specifically where that idea came from. That idea emerged in a three-month period of time where I quit doing the things that I had been doing that seemed to be consuming my energy in a way that made me so tired. I've told you before that I had in 2018 a moment of burnout. And in my story, I was burned out teaching voice lessons. Because remember, I used to work with anyone who would come in the studio and I would work many, many hours and I just bumped up against the edges of who I was and I wasn't happy. And really at the heart of that, at the heart of that was that I had neglected my own creative expression. I had not centered my creativity. Now, when I say creativity, I don't mean necessarily making music or a craft project, or an art piece. Although in my case, it is about my voice, about making music, about singing. But when I say that, I mean any sort of creative expression that feels authentic and true to who you are, and we've all got it. There's a good chance you landed here because singing sits at the center of that. Your voice sits at the center of that. But for some people, that might be metalworking. For some people, that might be hiking in the woods. For some people, that might mean you know, you know, whatever it is for you that since you were young, you've known within you that I'm happiest. I feel most alive. I feel so good when I'm doing this thing. This thing feels like me. I just know myself so deeply when I'm doing that thing. I had not given myself 
through much of my adult life, the opportunity, because I got the same narratives the student got, I got the same narrative that it was going to be hard. So I kept things under wraps and I certainly didn't take the risk of really pursuing my creativity, but I bumped up against myself and I came to a moment where I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I'm exhausted in a spiritual sense. I have to stop. And through the support of my partner, going to a lot of therapy, making a savings, I took a break. I stopped. And that time of my life was very much both the darkest night of my soul, a feeling of being absolutely uncertain about who I was, and also the most creative, rich, creatively abundant, beautiful expression of who I was. It all happened during that window of time. And this idea for the reset, it started there. The immersive sound healing experiences that I create, it started there. And it started because I finally gave myself the permission to center my creativity and the space to really dream about it, to allow the things to come into my mind that I had not been willing to even imagine before. Now, what's cool about that is I actually, at that point in time, didn't even have a remote imagination of what it is that I'm doing now. I wasn't even close to that. But I did get to a point quickly where I was like, I want to share this with people. I want to put this out in the world. And then I thought, would people pay to come to this? How much would they pay? How often would they pay? How often do I want to do it? And it continues to get refined. And sometimes there have been major failures, major flops. And then sometimes there have been these really big, unexpected successes. And it's been difficult. But that's not the story. That is not the story. Do you hear the excitement in my voice? The excitement is I have, I'm so, the excitement is I'm so proud of myself for taking the risk, for taking the leap, for having the courage. If I failed, it's okay. I mean that sincerely. Because by prioritizing my creativity, there is no possibility for real failure. Every time I have a sense of failure, I've actually lost track of the part of me that knows that the process is where it feels so good. It feels so good. So what won't you let yourself even try because you believe it's too hard? It's going to be too hard. Because shutting down the thought to begin with certainly eliminates the possibility of coming up with an innovative idea or even manifesting a dream. I've grown to believe that if you think it, it's absolutely possible. How could it not be? It's how every evolution of humankind has occurred, certainly within culture and society. If you think it, it is possible. Now, what I've also learned is you won't know the timeline in which it can happen. But upon that first thought, it has already happened. This is so hard to wrap your mind around. But that feeling of having that thought, it is the energy that propels the action. And the feeling is actually what you're craving. And none of us, none of us are craving 
this is going to be hard. <laughs> Ain't nobody want, this is going to be really difficult. Yeah, you're going to struggle. Nobody's craving that. What we're craving is that feeling of having arrived past the difficulty, that feeling of having realized our vision, that feeling of having created and sharing it with others and being seen and feeling connected and feeling like we're connected because we're being authentically ourselves. And again, you have to hold that throughout that will be difficulties and hardships because that's where the actual growth happens. That's where the edges present themselves and potentially get stretched out and move. That's how you know how to set boundaries. You know, me stopping teaching emerged this central focus core of my creative expression, but it also allowed me to come back to the work, the work that I'm sharing here with you, coaching with such a clear focus around how I can stay in it in a way that feels sustaining. I am fully committed to leaving every coaching session not drained. <laughs> I am fully committed to being in my work routinely and not feeling spent. I am fully committed to living a life that feels financially abundant. I am fully committed to going to the most beautiful and outrageous spaces and places to bring my work to share with others. I am fully committed to showing up in every space and every place and just being myself exactly where I am so I don't have to expend the energy of trying to be someone else. I am fully committed to this feeling joyful and playful and free, and I believe in the ease of it all. I believe in the ease of it all. And I know that the ease presents itself when I stay in that commitment, when I don't get distracted by the stories that others give me. The stories that say, well, yeah, you're probably going to have to piece that income together for the rest of your life. Good luck making it. Now, I want to, again, acknowledge that there are certain advantages that I have in my story. I'm very aware of that, certain privileges. And that's true for so many folks that give them certain opportunity. But what I want you to know, too, is while those privileges have given me access, those privileges don't give me joy. The joy comes from the connection to that authentic self. And the reason that that's good news is that that means it's true and possible for all of us on different scales, in different ways, at different places, at different times. While the setup might be rigged in some people's favor, and I believe that it is, the setup for joy is rigged in all of our favor. The universe does not discriminate. The culture does. Society does. But the universe holds you with equal importance. The universe holds your well-being at its highest possibility. But what you have to understand is that you need to know it in your being. That you have to trust it and allow it and let go of the old stories and the narratives that you've been given that that's not possible for you. And then from there, when you know that in your being, you have to trust 
that the leap, however scary it might be, is at the very least worthwhile. That taking that jump, that taking that next step, that moving into this next uh, energy portal, going through the next door is necessary because by its very nature, it is worthwhile. And in and of that worthwhileness, you will find success. What that looks like, you can't know. You absolutely can't know. But you can lay claim that within this path, you want freedom. You want abundance. And you can also give up old, outdated, old paradigm notions of scarcity. Notions of there not being enough. Notions that if so-and-so is doing something, you certainly can't. Notions that, well, it didn't work for so-and-so, so it probably won't work for me. Or the other things that you've heard me say, I'm too old. It costs too much money. It's too expensive. There's not enough time. Those three things are the lowest common denominator fears that will pop up. The lowest common denominator fears. It's too expensive. I don't have enough time. It's too late. They're always, always, always bullshit. They're never true. They're always the result of that fear being the guiding force, that scarcity model. And again, I don't say that to say money's real, folks. Money is absolutely real. Age is real. Time is real. But when those are the singular prevention of you being willing to take the next step toward pursuing that which you know will give you life, give you energy, when you put those things in the way of freeing up space, you miss a very potentially simple step that would guide you into a more fulfilling life, a more free life, a transformed life, a life where you make a living singing, where you're creative professionally and personally, if that's what you want, where you don't dread your days, where you don't look at the clock all day long, where you feel free and flexible in your life. Are you willing to let yourself imagine that? Be honest right now. Have you gone for a walk and actually let yourself travel down that thought path? Or are you someone that says to yourself, well, it's not even worth thinking about because it's going to be too hard for it to happen. Thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. The initial thought is the manifestation, is the kernel of the idea that by its mere planting will grow into a tree. And the more time and energy you dedicate it, not as a means of escaping where you are, but as a means of flourishing where you are, growing into the truth of where you are. If you will really dedicate your time and energy to move through the blocks and the barriers, I believe wholeheartedly that it can become true for you. And if you don't, it probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. There's no right or wrong path here. But let this be your permission slip to move beyond that old story that it's going to be hard. 
It's going to be too difficult. I probably can't do it. Is it? Is it? Do you know for sure? Do you know? Do you know? All right, my friends. Until next time. Peace.